Hello and welcome to Ode to Games. I'm Kevin Valine, joined alongside Logan Plant. How you doing, Logan? Doing well, Kev. How about you? I'm doing pretty good. We got Zach here as well. How you doing, Zach? I'm great. That's good. All right, so things are going to be a little bit different both today and uh, and moving forward. We got a lot of stuff that we're going to be working on over the next couple of months to improve the show, and that also includes kind of switching up how we do things. So over the next couple of weeks or months, uh, things may change and be in flux on each episode, but uh, hopefully you enjoy some of the changes that we've got cooked up. With this episode, we're going to start with uh, the two biggest games that just came out, Ghost of Tsushima and Paper Mario. We haven't gotten a chance to play either of them yet, but we wanted to talk about what we've seen online and the the discourse that is surrounding uh, the two biggest games that have come out recently. So why don't we start with Ghost first? Who's uh, who's thinking of, of picking it up? Anybody been swayed by the... Uh, by the reviews that have come out and uh, and reactions. Zach, I see you smiling. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I've definitely been reading the reviews, and I know that I don't know if I'm ready for another 40 to 50 hour game right now. Fair. Yeah. Ghost of Tsushima. Honestly, the sword combat is a, a one of the bigger highlights that people are uh, talking about for this game. It, it it's got like basic, you know, Arkham style parry slash light slash heavy slash but it grows he gets more stances like yakuza style like he gets like dragon yeah. stance or stone get a stance break or, dance break, dance, get a break dance. dance with a bat you know it's cool <laughs> stuff so that looks super good it just i'm thinking about it i haven't fully committed to the idea of getting it but i'm pretty confident i will get it by the end of july Whoa, that's soon. That's like two weeks. That is, yeah, that's two weeks. I'm pretty confident. Okay, and, and, pff, that's gonna that's gonna be a little bit of a risky move because uh, you could see that fifty dollar price drop like two weeks later with some oh, of the games. Oh man, you okay. never know. We'll, we'll see how rapidly that price starts to drop, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I might hold off. Yeah, I bought SpongeBob at full price, so you never know. I'm torn on this one because I hate stealth games, and I am not a typ- typically a fan of open world games either. It really mm-hmm. takes a special open world game and a certain type of open world game to get me hooked. I mean, Zelda is one of my favorite franchises of all time, and even that, I was like, I liked it, but I preferred the old structure of these games. So that has me a little bit on the fence. But then I read the reviews, and people say, "Oh, hey, the uh, the worst part about this game is the stealth, and you can go the entire game <laughs> without stealthing." And I'm like, "Sweet, I, I never <laughs> have to right. stealth." And one concept I think is really cool from what I've read about the combat in these reviews is is the one-on-one battles, like the honorable samurai duels that you can do. So, like, if there's, like, ten dudes, you can walk up and, like, look one of them in the eye and challenge them to a duel. And then it's kind of like a standoff, and it's all about button timing. When you release that button, he unsheathes his sword and, and kills the dude if you get the timing right. And if you don't, your health is knocked to almost nothing. And I think that concept is really cool. And really cinematic and epic the idea that you can walk up to dudes and challenge them to one-on-one fights just one by one and because these are all honorable people or, or whatever the explanation is the others just stand by and watch and don't engage you i think that's super cool and i could see myself going through entire like waves of enemies just doing that style so that seems really fun i think the game looks gorgeous I like the minimalism of the UI, the, how the wind guides you. You don't have a map and a bunch of icons on your screen while you're actually playing. Um, but then some other reviews say that it falls into a lot of open world trappings of way too much stuff to collect on the map. None of it's that interesting. 
uh, and that it can feel a little bloated at times. So I'm really on the fence because the combat sounds like my jam and the setting looks really, really cool. And seeing the reaction from Japanese review outlets who are praising it and saying, hey, this honors what we think of this time period in Japan. Uh, it's a faithful creation. It doesn't kind of mishmash all Asian culture, like Korean culture and Chinese culture, into Japanese culture. It stays faithful to what it actually should be, unlike some Western depictions of, of Japan. So that stuff has me stoked, but then some of the open world stuff doesn't. So I'm super torn, but I'm glad that it's getting reviewed pretty well. Yeah. It, I It was weird. I saw from, from multiple people uh, a couple of days ago where they described it in almost the same way as like it is it is basically just junk food. <laughs> like I saw multiple people using like that exact wording where it's like, oh, I it's it's not remarkable, but I I enjoyed my time with it. And that's not that's not a necessarily a bad thing. Games can fall into that that category and be totally fine. But for me, I don't know if I need a game like that right now. Um, especially with one, a big game in cyberpunk coming out in a couple of months and two, I still have Spider-Man to get back to, you know, in the, in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it, it fills, fills the need that I have for, for games right now, just the type of game that it is. That's not necessarily a knock against it. I just don't know if it, if it fits into what I want to play right now. I don't know, the term junk food seems a little reductive to me because like a game that gorgeous I feel like it's also even hard to call junk food because it just looks like a pleasure to even look at and ride around that world when I think the definition of a junk food game is Sonic Forces and I'm sure that the quality <laughs> of this thing is so much higher than the quality of Sonic Forces so uh, that that's kind of an interesting take to me I obviously haven't played it but I think just on looks alone I feel like kind of elevate it past junk food status of some games I guess I don't know. I've I've never been the type of person either to just run around in a world and just like stare at it for a while. That kind of bores me. So mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm I, you know that wouldn't be something that would that would captivate me too much either. But it does look really really good graphically. Yeah. Um, yeah. and and it being a Sony game, uh, now that it's out and that I'm not a hundred percent sold on it on launch, it makes it an even tougher sell knowing that It'll it drop. will have a price drop you know, within the next couple of months, yeah. almost a 100% guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. So as of right now, probably not. And then especially with these other open world, big games that are going to be coming out soon, it may, it may slip through the cracks for me for a while. Definitely one that I want to get to at some point. Uh, but I think that it may just slip by for a while. All right. Yeah. Paper Mario. We've got one of us that's going to be playing that. Yeah. Logan. But when this episode <laughs> drops, I will be playing Paper Mario, the Origami King. Uh, yeah, I've seen the reviews. They're about what we expected, right? They were saying, this writing is really funny. It's a great story. The world is fun to explore. It's colorful. It's creative. But the battle system gets dry, and there's no real meaning to the combat. So it's, it's basically <laughs> exactly what we expected. But I don't know. It's been... We, there hasn't been like a great first party Nintendo game for four months now since Animal Crossing came out. It's been a long time. We had Clubhouse Games, which is great, but it, it doesn't quite scratch the itch for first party Nintendo. So that, that's really why I want to get into it. It's been such a barren year for the Switch. And I enjoyed Color Splash, 
I mean, I know it has its problems with, with the battle system and way too many toads and things like that, but I enjoyed it, and if I can enjoy this one just as much, probably a little bit more than Color Splash, because the battles do look more engaging to me, then I think it's worth picking up for me as just a huge Mario fan, Nintendo fan, Paper Mario fan. Yeah, seeing seeing the reviews that are coming out has has solidified me not picking it up. And what sucks is that because of some of the elements that it does have, you know, a gorgeous art style, an interesting world, uh, from all accounts, a good cast of characters and everything. It looks like a game that I want to experience, but it falls into that problem that some Nintendo games have where I don't think I want to pay $60 for it. And there's barely any hope that that game is ever going to drop down, <laughs> to, you know, even like even like 40 bucks for a solid pickup for one that I'm not 100 percent sold on. And that sucks. Um so with the reviews coming out, it was one that I knew I wasn't going to play on launch, uh, but it was one that I do want to play in the future, but I may be waiting a while for that mm -hmm. um, with the way Nintendo is. But yeah, the battle system, man, disappoints me. That that was what I was worried about because, because the ring system does look interesting, but from what the reviews are saying, and it was one of my concerns, it just doesn't have enough staying power to last through the entire campaign. And that the interesting things that the combat system brings get stale by the end of a 20 to 25 hour campaign. And the fact that there's no experience points, uh, the coins, it showers you with coins again. So those don't mean anything. <sighs> and there was an article that came out where they were talking with some of the developers yeah, of the game. Up, yeah. And that that annoyed me specifically where they were like. They asked, okay, so, you know, the last couple of games, they haven't been received well. People have had a lot of problems with that. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you do with, with feedback and, and how you work them into the next game? And yeah. they're like, yeah, we, you know, you know, we take all of this feedback. Do you, though? Like, mm -hmm. This feels like you are in the exact same problem that Color Splash was in. Origami King seems to have the exact same strengths and the exact same weaknesses that Color Splash had. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering what what they're actually taking from the criticisms people have of the last couple Paper Mario games and putting into this one. Yeah, it's weird. There was one really interesting part of that interview that said, after Super Paper Mario, we were no longer allowed to alter Mario characters. I don't know if you caught that part, Kevin, but... I didn't I miss that. So basically, that's why Sticker Star and Color Splash... And Origami King breaks away from this a little bit. You have, like, the Explorer Toad and a couple other dudes that look different. But they basically said that Nintendo no longer is allowing them to create, basically, partners. Like the first two games saw. Like, like <laughs> the bomb with the mustache and the eye patch and the captain's hat and, and the mail carrier paratroopa and all these people from the first two games. Apparently, they weren't allowed to create anymore, which is just super strange. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I mean, Nintendo's always super protective of their IP, but this is like a first-party game that is known for its unique characters, and that's what people like about it. So that that was really surprising to me that, like, hey, Nintendo kind of made them, forced them down this generic path, starting with Sticker Star, and I feel like every game they've kind of fought their way back a little bit, and Origami King looks like another step in that direction, um, but it, it was just really weird. Yeah, a, a lot of the the responses in that were just like just a little off. I don't know. Like mm -hmm. they want to make it seem like they're trying their best to improve it. They're listening to feedback and all of these things, but I have a hard time believing that with the way the last couple of games have been. Yeah, Sticker Star was an anomaly. That that thing is just bad. <laughs> but <laughs> but I feel like Color Splash and Origami King occupy a very similar place, mm -hmm. which isn't that great when 
when people had a lot of problems with that and they come out with this one and that it's almost the same thing again. But I do think there are some improvements over, just based on reviews, I'll have thoughts on actually playing it next week, but it looks like there are improvements, like it's a open world rather than these different levels that you enter through doors like in the last two games. So that that's a step in the right direction. And they are trying something really unique and new with the battle system, which I, I do appreciate that, that they aren't just kind of taking it easy with that. They are trying new things. It's a shame that apparently it doesn't hold up the entire time, but I still appreciate that and think it's cool that they're trying new turn-based battle systems. But uh, I think it'll be enjoyable. I think it'll be like a, a 7 out of 10 experience, and I'm looking forward to playing it starting today when this episode's up. Zach, any thoughts? Any any plans to pick it up soon? You know, I've never played a Paper Mario before, but I think this would be the perfect time to hop on to the series and really, you know, test the waters so I can go back and play them all because I'm sure it's a very solid series. Yeah, part of it is. <laughs> all right, that's fair. <laughs> we'll it's got, got a real rough patch in the middle to kind of kind of now. <laughs> I would, I no, I'd argue Color Splash is still worth playing. It's still fun, even if. You run by battles, there's still a lot to do. Like, I know that's like, that's a tough sell. But I think that even if you run past these encounters that are kind of meaningless, there's still a really funny story to experience, really creative paper worlds to explore, a lot of collectibles and things to find. So it's 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 still enjoyable. And the soundtrack in Color Splash is good too. I've heard good things about the soundtrack in this game also so it's i think it's color splashes are worth playing sticker star i couldn't get past the first world it is the one of the most generic games i've ever played <laughs> is uh, a yeah, thousand year door the really good one yeah the first, well, the two. first two games yeah, yeah. Okay. the original paper mario and thousand year door fantastic yeah i actually ran an informal informal poll in this nintendo uh, group i'm in on facebook for a nintendo voice chat and i asked what is the second best paper mario game just to see what would happen. I didn't ask what the best one was, um, because Thousand Year Door is the best one. And here, here were the votes for the, what is the second best Paper Mario game? Paper Mario got 43 votes. So that was okay. the definitive choice for the second best yep. Paper Mario game. Thousand Year mm -hmm. Door got 18 votes, so probably people who liked the first Swapping. one more. Yeah, there are so, people, yeah, yeah. The first one's really good, too. Super Paper Mario got 15 votes as the second. Mm -hmm. That has their cult fans. That one has yeah. a cult following, I think. Yeah, especially for the, the story I've heard. I definitely want to play it at some point, because I have heard mm -hmm. that the, the story is really good, and, you know, other things notwithstanding. Color Splash got three votes, and Sticker Star got two votes. <laughs> there were two people! Probably two people yeah, those... that only played Color Splash and Sticker Star. That, that's gotta be it, right? Like... Yeah. <laughs> If you play any of the other Paper Mario games, that one instantly falls off. Yep. Yeah, that one, that one actively makes me mad. Mm -hmm. Like, that man. Uh, oof. So that was my, f I, I posted that as a joke by asking what is the second best just to see how people would react. <laughs> but we got some solid data out of it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yep. Two people picked Sticker Star. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to hearing your thoughts on uh, on Origami King next week. Yeah. Be yeah. What your thoughts are. You think uh, you think you'll have it done by then? 20 no. hours? No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. It's not going to be a bull rush of a weekend like Last of Us Part <laughs> 2. Speaking of real quick, 
You may have noticed we had two episodes go up this week. The first one went up on Monday. It's a nearly two-hour-long deep-dive spoiler cast into The Last of Us Part 2. It was really fun to record. It's a great conversation. So if you finish that game, I encourage you to go and check out that episode and email us, odegamescast at gmail.com, with your thoughts on that game because I'm still not done talking about it. I'd still be down to talk more about that game. A second spoiler cast. Let's do it. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) I mean, we didn't really talk too much about the gameplay, to be honest. It was basically just a story spoiler cast, so yeah. you know, we really wanted to. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, we've got a fair number of uh, news things to get into. So, Logan, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so I think the biggest story of the last week was Ubisoft had their Ubisoft Forward event, which was kind of supposed to replace their E3 conference. But they actually already announced another Ubisoft Forward coming up soon. Um, so it wasn't quite the length of a, of a full-length E3 conference. They showed off three main three main games, a gameplay look at Assassin's Creed Valhalla, a Watch Dogs Legion resurfaced, and then a few days after it leaked, Far Cry 6 was officially unveiled. So these three titles, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, nice to actually see some gameplay of it. And uh, yeah. a lot of outlets got to go hands-on with the game also via streaming to kind of uh, put up impressions pieces. And then Watch Dogs Legion, same thing there. People got to go hands-on with that one, so they've been talking about that for a little bit. Far Cry 6, no one has played yet. That was just a reveal. Looks like it takes place in Cuba uh, and is just like the last game. And I think every Far Cry, they hype up this intense political conflict, (laughs) and then the game is just ridiculous and and not about the story at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think I want to start by asking, rank these three games, guys, and how likely you are to play each one of them. I want to gauge the panel's oh, interest. Mine. Okay. Uh, All right, fair enough. Watch, watch Dogs Legion, number one, Far Cry 6, number two, and Assassin's Creed Valhalla, number three. Purely because right. I've never played an Assassin's Creed game, and nothing that they've really showed off with any of the games has interested me enough to pick them up. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So my list is the exact same as Kevin's list, except it's backwards. <laughs> oh, so my oh. number one is Assassin's Creed Valhalla, because I have started to dive into the Assassin's Creed franchise, and I'm really into Vikings, so it's kind of in my okay. wheelhouse. I definitely want to check it out, so I'm pretty confident I'm going to play it. Second being Far Cry 6. Um, as soon as the leak got announced, I started talking to Logan about diving back into Far Cry 5. Um, you actually entertain that idea. Yeah, we are right. entertaining that idea. It might happen at some point soon. I am not sure. But Zach and... left his copy of Far Cry 5 in another state. And then I was like <laughs> looking around for it, and it's still almost relatively full-priced everywhere. And I'm like, how really? is Far Cry 5 yeah. that expensive? I went to Walmart. It's $40. It, digitally on the store, $60. Amazon, $120. So <laughs> it's it's insane. There is there is nowhere you can get this eBay, game. eBay, it's like 30 price. Yeah, eBay, Amazon $30. is 30 I'm not paying more than twenty dollars for this game. Well, yeah, because you know that, that was like that, Peggy. Well, I mean, at this point, just wait until Black Friday. That thing will be fifteen dollars. Yeah, I, I don't know if I can hold out that long. We'll see. <laughs> can you for a game that you didn't enjoy? We enjoyed it. No, no, no. We enjoyed it a lot for the most part. It was just there was a lot of weird story stuff that we hated going through mm-hmm. just to screw around and have fun. It's weird. This is the only instance of any open world game I've basically ever played where I'm like, I don't want to experience the story missions. I, I just want to goof off with Zack and crash planes and do these like daredevil missions in our flying squirrel suits. 
And anytime the story gates you down this path, basically you don't even know when it's coming. It's like basically if you've accomplished enough objectives in this game, including like two key main story objectives, these dudes will just track you down and shoot you with a blow dart and you'll wake up in the next story cutscene. And it's just so stupid and you hate it when it happens. And Zach and I tried so hard to outrun these dudes for as long (laughs) as we could. Yeah, that's that's the worst part. We started skipping all story cutscenes. That's how not invested we are in the plot. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So who knows? But if we ever do d- a deep dive back into that franchise, I'll definitely probably pick up six, especially since the guy from Breaking Bad is in it, and I love that guy. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily uh, need to do a deep dive into the series. You just play one, and you've kind of played them all. That's that's a deep dive. For Three, me. four, five, and six. I mean, I assume they're going to be very similar. Primal. Primal. I want to play Primal. Primal. <laughs> Blood oh, Dragon. I've heard great things. Well, about I've heard Blood, Blood Dragon. Dragon's very good because yeah. they actually got to do something different. Mm-hmm. Oh my! Uh, New Dawn is that what the? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. man! That Talk about out. one of the most like forgettable, forgettable. games. That, like, that see, thing just, I, that's that junk food. Far Cry New Dawn that's is total junk absolutely. food. A forty dollars game with just really no plot, where you just blow crap up for fifteen hours and then forget about it. That's yeah. that's something that would fit into that category for me. And then number three on my list is Watch Dogs Legion. Not because I'm not planning on playing it. I definitely, it looks good and I want to play it. I just haven't actually picked up the franchise yet. I do want to play the first two first. You don't want to uh, play they the ha- first one. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know. The, the first second one, one. You can definitely play the second one without playing the first one because yeah. they're fairly unrelated. So I might no, just play the second one because good. it is a lot better. Um, but that's something that I want to do first. Um, and if I end up enjoying that, I'm, I'll definitely pick up legion logan my order is number one's watchdog legion number two is assassin's creed valhalla and number three is far cry 6 i was i was kind of burned by far cry 5 i had wanted to play three i wanted to play four i finally got five to play it because it's in montana where i coincidentally live now so there's that (laughs) uh and it just let me down yeah oh yeah (laughs) put you down with blow darts (laughs) Yeah, it happens every day on my way to work. That is terrifying. (laughs) Uh, So I'm not really interested in Far Cry 6, but it did interest me in going back and finish what we started with Far Cry 5, but nothing beyond that. Number two is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I have just heard great things about the last two Assassin's Creed games, and this one looks good. I think I'm more likely to play Odyssey than than dive into this one. I think that... um, I kind of feel that way about all three of these franchises. So I'm like, oh, I should finish Far Cry 5. I should play Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I should play Watch Dogs mm-hmm. 2. It's going to make yep. me feel about all of them. I'm in a similar space. And then my, my number one's Watch Dogs Legion, just because I'm super, super excited to see how that recruiting system works of just getting information on these people. And then uh, basically I listened to a podcast where people with people who got to play it and they talked about how you don't just like take over them and recruit them instantly. You have to do missions to, right. to get these yeah, people. Yeah, they have their origin mission, right? Yeah, which looks really interesting. Like the, the one example I heard was like, oh, there was this escort that someone was trying to recruit to their team, and they knew that they were going to meet up with a guy in an hour. And the guy, they got there, and the dude just murdered the guy in cold blood, and then the escort ran off afraid, and he lost the mission and could not recruit that person. They're gone. They're gone forever. And there's like a beekeeper apparently, which is really cool that you can get. Oh. Like it just oh, seems like there's a ton of bees on people. A ton of really <laughs> cool variety that changes up not only what your character looks like, but also the gameplay. So if it's good, I mean, Watch Dogs notoriously 
is exactly as good at release as it was in E3 footage, as we know. It always holds up to exactly what they promised it was going to be. Uh, so if it is as good as they're showing it's going to be, then I think it'll be solid. To be fair, though, I don't, I don't know necessarily if the graphics of Watch Dogs Legion blew me away or anything. Oh, no. Like, it looks it, like it, a mid-gen like, PS4 game. Like, yeah, it... Yeah. I'd be I'd be worried if this game looks worse than it did in that trailer. <laughs> that would be a concern. But I don't have a concern that it'll get a Ubisoft downgrade by the time it comes out. I think what yeah. we're seeing here is what we're going to get. You think Watch, pretty, is Watch Dogs 1 the biggest example of a Ubisoft ground downgrade, do you think? Probably. That one's yeah. the most high profile. Yeah. Especially because it was a new franchise. And so yeah. they were hyping this thing up like, "Oh man, look at all these." And and it was coming to next gen. That was an, that was another thing where it was like, you know, it's going to be right out for this next generation. It's going to look incredible, and then it, then it didn't, and then the rest of the game wasn't that good. <laughs> Do you know what console Watch Dogs came out on last? Oh, God. They come out on Wii U? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And they, How they, does that look on Wii U? Uh, it, slightly worse than the 360 version. Uh, and they patched in. They, they updated it with all that. You can do, like, the hacking from your gamepad. And I, I don't really know how it turned out, but it got delayed so many times and came out like a year after it originally launched. When everyone figured out that the game wasn't very good. Yeah, and no one was going to buy that on Wii U anyways. I might pick up a copy of that game. Yeah, it's probably rare. <laughs> Watch Dogs Wii U. I'm going to check the, the eBay price. Yeah. It's $1,000. It is, it is 13 bucks. That is. It looks so weird to see that cover a art with a Wii U box. That's what just so. Logo. That's just so weird. But yeah, so uh, those all new games from Ubisoft. Uh, we should probably move on to our next story. But Watch Dogs Legion, I'm excited about. And then the other two, uh, just seeing these games coming to next gen. Also, like Ubisoft is always right there on launch with these things. So seeing that they're hitting it hard with three, their three biggest franchises is is yep. pretty cool. So let's move on. Uh, Kevin, you threw this one in here. Microsoft Flight Simulator will get a physical release in Europe with 10 discs. Yeah, who's going to pick it up? It's only in Europe, so you'd have to import <laughs> the European copy. <laughs> but yeah, one, it's crazy that it's getting a retail release at all, especially because it's PC and who buys PC games? Like, who, whose laptop even has, like, discs? Yeah. I, guess, I guess if you're yeah. running the tower... Yeah, uh, you may have a disk drive, but even still, like I don't think people really use disks for PC anymore. But hey, mm -hmm. if you want to, you can get ten disks on this thing. Like, That's oh my god! <laughs> well, doesn't this game have every airport in the world? Uh, it's basically just what Bing map data of the world. So. <laughs> That's a that's a lot of space. Yeah, that's the so, box that's set so will have ninety, so it'll have ninety gigs of data on those oh discs. My God, and there will still be an update that's required <laughs> <laughs> after the ten discs that you get through. Uh huh. Oh, um, yeah. It's this. This is purely a novelty thing. It's really funny to have a release of ten discs. It's already weird when you have one with like two, like a Red Dead thing. Where you have the two discs, but hey, yeah. if if you uh, if you love your uh, your physical PC games, here you go. If you've got room for uh, for ten discs worth of stuff, here you go. Import a European copy of a uh, of Microsoft Flight Simulator. The game looks game pretty. Just yeah. Like, oh my god. <laughs> yeah. There's a reason why that thing's on ten discs. 
So like uh, if you if you purchase a Xbox Series X on launch pre-installed with Microsoft Flight Simulator, you will have zero gigs left on that, on that it, system. It'll all it'll all be. It is a dedicated stuff. flight simulator console. <laughs> yeah, Worth flight it. simulator machine. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of Xbox Series X, Phil Spencer put this blog post up on Xbox.com uh, about the future of gaming, and a lot of it is just reiterating things we already knew, but just really pushing these features as we do get closer to fall when these boxes are going to come out. And he's talking about how uh, they're still committing to all these new next-gen games still being playable on Xbox One for at least a year uh, they have committed to. And then this says the next couple of years, so we'll see how far out that actually reaches. So like Halo Infinite, you can play on Xbox One still. Uh, they're talking about backwards compatibility, how your accessories from Xbox One come over with you also. Smart delivery means that you can play back and forth on Xbox One and Xbox Series X. And then they go in to keep promoting their Game Pass and Xbox Live and Game Pass Ultimate memberships. And man, all together... Like, it's a pretty sweet deal going into the next gen to be an Xbox gamer with all these really pro-consumer moves that they're doing. Uh, so what do you guys think of all these things Xbox doing that Sony really hasn't commented on many of these things that Xbox is doing? Yeah, everything, yeah. It, everything in here is great. The, uh, the backwards compatibility that they've been pushing now seems to be a core facet of what they want to do moving forward. The idea that I can play all of these new games on my old consoles cool, although... God, I gotta wonder how those original Xbox One VCRs are gonna handle running these games. <laughs> oh, for sure. Because I swear those things are kicking into—they were kicking into overdrive halfway through this generation. Yeah. Let alone yeah. next generation. So I don't know what you're gonna do if you have an original Xbox One. If you have a—if you have an S, if you've got a, an X, you're gonna—I'm sure you're gonna be fine. But I'm, I'm curious. Yes. If, if you have sad, I mean, party will be fine. You don't have the disc, but you know, whatever. Uh, but I will be curious how those original things are going to be running these new games. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I definitely want to see some videos of that, of, of those fans just screaming. Uh, but yeah, everything in here is Solid. is pro-consumer. It's awesome. Like yeah. These are things that I want Sony to introduce, but I feel like they're not going to because at this point they still have the upper hand because of how this generation went that I don't think they're necessarily pressured to to put in a lot of these things, at least yeah. right now. Yeah, I feel the, like... A couple of years into the next generation. I feel like they don't need to because they still have better exclusives. Just straight yep. up, they, they just still do. And that's... I think it sucks because Xbox is doing all these awesome things, but at the end of the day, it's still these exclusive games that I really think move units. So I think Sony can kind of sit back on that. It would be awesome if they did introduce these things, and I'm still getting a PS5. I'm committed to that, but I mean, it's it's tempting to get an Xbox at some point in this generation saying, oh, if I subscribe to Game Pass Ultimate for 15 bucks a month, then I can just play all Xbox games on day one and a lot of third-party games come to that too. So it is tempting to move over there, um, not in not instead of PS5, but at some point in this generation, uh, upgrade or adding that to the library also. Yeah, Logan, I'm in the same vein as you. I wouldn't, I've never given Xbox a lot of consideration, but after all of these consumer-friendly moves, you know, I'm absolutely going with the PS5, but at some point to maybe dip into the Xbox and see what they have to offer and go in that direction as maybe kind of a side thing, especially since they do have some of the better racing games and a mm -hmm. potential new fable coming out. You know, I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll give it a try at some point. Captain's yeah, going to have to. Yeah. 
Oh, he's, he's still on about the Yakuza stuff? <laughs> Why isn't it coming to PS5? It's weird, man. It's weird. Uh, it's Viva Pinata that's got me. Wow. Yeah, Viva Pinata if, if there's a new Viva Pinata that comes out, Viva Pinata 3, uh, Xbox one. may have to... Uh, I'll have to pick up one of those. <laughs> Nuts and bolts, too. Uh, dear God. <laughs> dear God. Um, yeah, well, and we're going to be getting a Xbox showcase of their first party... Uh, software that's yeah. going to be coming out in the near future mm-hmm. within a couple of days. So we'll see what some of these newly acquired studios have been cooking up. And it makes a lot of sense to have a lot of these consumer-friendly moves with the way that their exclusives have been and knowing mm-hmm. that a lot of their more recent studio acquisitions have been within the last year and that we probably won't be seeing the fruits of all that for at least another two or three years for all of those games to be coming out. Mm-hmm. So to kind of tide tide that over. It's yeah. great that they have a lot of these moves to try and get people invested in that ecosystem so that when hopefully they have all of these big exclusives uh, to Xbox and I guess PC, uh, that they'll have a lot of people in already and then they can push more people with the new games. Yeah, yep. and th- that Xbox event is on July 23rd, uh, which is next Thursday, so it will be a big topic on next week's show. Yeah. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh, let's move on, though. Skull and Bones is getting reworked. With oh, a li- to be more goodness. of a live experience. Woohoo! So what? It's going to be more realistic looking Sea of Thieves. Is is uh, that what it was always going to be? Basically, every everyone's been saying that it's going to be Fortnite and Sea of Thieves. Oh my that's god! So weird. Something that's the comparison yeah. that everyone's drawing. Maybe that's only because Fortnite is the biggest live game out there right now. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, Definitely a disappointment for me because whenever someone throws in the live element into a game, I'm out. I just become significantly less interested <laughs> when I see that. Like I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> like that is that is not a selling point for me whatsoever. For a lot of people, I'm sure it is, but for me personally, yeah. Yeah. I don't know about you. Guys. I mean, the only live game I like is Monster Hunter. That's pretty much it. That's <laughs> a good Splatoon? one. Oh yeah. Splatoon. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's true. I don't know. I, I don't I don't really consider those in the same category as something like Fortnite or Sea of Thieves. It just feels different to me. Maybe it's because yeah. I don't know why it is. Because the updates in those games are free also. Probably just because I like the gameplay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean yeah. the games game could I still like be good. Games I don't like. Uh it it could still be good, but man, there's still thinking back to that Sea of Thieves launch. When oh there my was, god. But there was nothing. We could yeah. have that again, just with uh with a more realistic setting. Yeah. It's cool bones. Yeah. But anyways, we'll move on from that one. A couple quick ones to get through here. Yakuza Kiwami 2 is coming to Xbox and Game Pass on July 30th. Uh, there already is yes. Zero and Kiwami out on Game Pass already, so just getting another in one order. there. Uh, yep. And then Kevin, I know you've been excited for this game. Uh, Sakuna of Rice and Ruin now has a special edition, and Kevin wants it. I do. I do want it. Uh, so it's coming to PS4 and Switch. They announced the Divine Edition for 60 bucks because the uh the regular version is a budget 40 dollar release what is this game for folks who don't know so it's a a farming game mixed with uh what what would you call it it's uh like 2d side-scrolling combat uh exploration uh and I love me some farming games especially ones that uh, incorporate some form of combat and exploration and that seems to be what this game is, and I'm all about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still don't have a release date on it. There was no release date information alongside this announcement, 
but good to hear more about it because before this, there really wasn't a whole lot on it. There was some information in the Japanese version of one of the more recent directs, but beyond that, there really hasn't been much. So good to see it back again. They kind of pushed it out uh, a lot further since it's being worked on by a really small crew. But uh, I'm excited. It looks really good, and I'll probably pick up one of these special editions. Nice. I'm not. I'm not going to play this game. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's my type of game. I know it is. that it is a Kevin yes. game for sure. Uh, this I'm going to pick up both of these things though. The Joker Amiibo and the Hero Amiibo are coming out October second, 2020. Oh, yeah. Pre-orders are live on Best Buy. Uh, are so they still live? Or are they down? They were. They were earlier today. I'm not sure if they still are. But they were live as of today, so they'll probably be bouncing in and out of stock over the next few months. That's how these things tend to work. But these two look so good. They look great. I think this is the oh, only yeah. amiibo I'm going to buy a duplicate of. I need a second hero, and I'm going to hang them on the wall next to the Dragon Quest pin set that I got that Zach won in the oh, contest. <laughs> I have a perfect place right next to my pin set on the wall for a hero amiibo as well. Because isn't that also where Waluigi's hanging? The Waluigi amiibo? Uh, yeah, the Waluigi's above the pins, so I'll have a Waluigi... <laughs> And then a hero, my nice. two favorite nint- my favorite characters in all the video games. <laughs> Is that true? It looks like no. Uh, <laughs> it looks like the pre-order is still up on okay. Best Buy, so cool. uh, take advantage of that while you can. Who knows how that's gonna all? I think for the first <laughs> time ever, so I am actually gonna pre-order because you guys know my favorite part about this thing is actually hunting them hunting. down. Yeah. But when Sakura, I was like, oh, I don't know how many of these we're gonna make. I'm worried if I don't pre-order, I will literally never <sighs> see them. So I'm just, yep. I'm yeah, just going to do it. I should probably pick them up too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They are, they're good looking and I can't wait for the next one, which is going to be Banjo. So super excited for that. Another cool physical Nintendo product that was announced this week is the Lego Nintendo entertainment system set. I think yeah. this thing is awesome. It's over 2000 pieces. You build a replica NES and a controller and a Super Mario Brothers cartridge. And then the part that really, really sells it for me is that you also build a retro TV that has Super Mario Brothers on the screen. And there's a crank on the side of the screen that if you move it, it actually scrolls through a level of Super Mario Brothers. Because you basically build this conveyor belt and then slot it into the TV and scroll it. And Mario runs along and stomps on Goobas and grabs uh, coins and mushrooms. It looks awesome. It's some very elaborate Legos. Yeah. Kevin's going to mention the price. (laughs) It's $230. I mean, it's Lego, so it it makes sense. Back in my Lego days as a kid, you don't, you don't really like fully grasp how expensive these things are. Like when I would ask them, ask for them for like my birthday or Christmas. And then I'm like, Oh yeah. $50 Lego set. Like a hundred dollars for some of those bigger ones. And then if you're going into like the really hobbyist stuff with like, some of the more crazy Star Wars things. Man, it is insane. Yeah. Uh, some of the prices on those. Like, this thing looks super cool, but 230 bucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. But it is awesome. I think it's really cool. And there's the more kid-focused Super Mario line of Legos that's also coming out this year. And that's... I was just... I'm a huge Lego fan. I have a ton of Star Wars Legos. Uh, and... I was super excited when I heard that they were partnering with Lego and Nintendo to make this Mario set, but the Mario one is just really kid-focused. It's like play sets, basically. Like, you don't actually build these structures. You build paths for the little toy Mario to hop along. Yeah, little, like, yeah. So those aren't as cool, so it was cool to see them kind of reveal one more adult-focused 
um, for for people like me. I don't know if I'm going to build it. I really okay. want to build it. We'll see, though. It's it's pricey. When there's a Lego set that's a replica of a game console, and you can pick up a Switch Lite actual game console for less money, it's for like... less. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> is that a justified purchase? But we'll see. We'll see if I buckle. But it's super cool. Oh, and what I was going to add is with that Mario that you have to buy in the Lego Mario starter pack, if you put him on top of the TV, like you connect him to the TV, basically then he will emit sound effects that are accurate to what Mario is doing on the TV. So, like, if you plug in the chunky Mario on top, and then you turn the crank, 8-bit Mario's running along, he jumps, you hear the jump sound effect from Super Mario. He lands on a Goomba, you hear the stomp sound effect. You get a mushroom, you hear the power-up. You get a coin, you hear that. Awesome, awesome design. It's such a cool set. Uh, I hope that they make more Nintendo Lego sets, because if we start to see, like, replicas of in-game locations then there That'd could be, cool. be one that, that I might end up building sometime down the line. I'm trying to think of another... Like, I don't have really any memories of playing the NES. I never never had one. Friends never had one. The only... The oldest one that my friends had was a Super Nintendo. But I'm wondering if my thoughts would be different if this was, like, one from my childhood, like a GameCube or uh-huh. something. Yeah. Like, I... Like, $230 is still a tough sell, but I wonder how much more tempted I'd be to get it. Because... Yeah. I just don't have that tie to the NES like uh, like I do some of their other consoles. Yeah, that's fair. And then Fall Guys, which I'm super excited about. Fall, Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout Game got a release date. I think it was part of the Devolver Direct, which had some ah, other yeah. stuff announced as well. But it is coming out next month on PS4 and PC, August 4th. Ooh, that's, that's really soon. soon. I'm, I'm super excited. excited. It's a and they confirmed how many players. There's going to be sixty players in every match. match. I hope okay. people buy this so it's not just barren matches. Yeah, because that's, yeah, that's so far happen. my biggest concern. Because the game looks awesome. It looks like totally my thing. Competitive platforming that will hopefully run well online. But this this is this looks super fun. And you guys should pick it up too, so we can all play it together. <laughs> I definitely want to play it. It looks super fun, but I am also worried because lobbies of 60 people require a lot of, you know, gamer foot traffic, so hopefully it is a fairly popular game. Yeah, I hope so. Maybe wait and see how it does on launch, and if the yeah. if the base is there, and if it is... But if everyone's waiting on launch, then no one's going to pick it up because no one's playing Well, you know, who knows? Maybe we're not we're not the majority here. I don't know. I'm picking person. it up on launch. I'm getting that thing day one. It's 20 bucks. 20 so, bucks? All right, that's pretty good. Yeah, I'm buying in day one for that game. That one, can, I had a connection with that one when it was first revealed at last E3. I've been following good, that one. Good reveal. Yeah. Got me intrigued, too. What I always kind of said is the Battle Royale genre interests me. I used to play that in Minecraft all the time. The Hunger Games Hunger servers games. people set up. But the genre of game that most popular Battle Royales are, like Fortnite and PUBG, don't interest me at all. So platforming which is my favorite genre mixed with this and just seeing people get wiped out the more you go along (laughs) i just think it looks awesome and there's a ton of fun games like carrying an egg from the from the nest to like this goal and if you crack the egg you have to run back and get another one and there's a time limit there's like a frogger one where you're hopping across traffic like there's so many different games in this thing i think it'll be super cool if it's like there's five rounds and every round it changes like what you do and then every time you play a match, it might be a different order, or different games in these rounds. Like, I think there's a lot of potential here. I don't know exactly how it's all going to work, but I think this could be a regular game in my rotation for, like, unwinding late at night after work. I, I just think it looks super fun. 
Kevin's yeah, going to yeah, buy we'll it and play it with me in those late hours. <laughs> you guys will probably pressure me into playing it, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's been so long since all three of us have played a game together. It's true. The time difference doesn't help either. No, it doesn't. It does not. It doesn't. <laughs> and especially since when we are all free, we're doing the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Yeah, maybe, we'll, maybe you'll hear our uh, all three of our thoughts on that game in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yep. Who knows? We'll see. And last thing real quick. Someone uncovered a potentially official Super Mario 35th anniversary Twitter account. I did see that. Yeah. Nothing really to add on that. Don't know if it's for real, but it's possible that we could see a rollout really soon of official Mario celebrations with actual games. Because we have Paper Mario, we've got the Legos, and we've got... I think I'm forgetting something else, but those are the main two I mean, the theme so park far. is still in, yeah. in development. Yeah, so uh, hopefully we get some concrete games for this fall for Switch that are Mario-based. And there's, there's all the rumors swirling around of a Direct, you know, within a week or less. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe that's where that all is. That Twitter account comes into play right when this Direct drops, if it does. Mm-hmm. I kind of so. feel like it won't be next week because Directs are usually on, like, Wednesday. And I don't know if they want to go the day before Xbox goes with their huge thing. So I could see it being in, yeah. like, two weeks. But people say July, but... People say there's going to be a direct every week. <laughs> there's always these rumors. Yeah, you, you take those with a very large grain of salt. People yeah. get very desperate with these things. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But Kev, that's it for news. Kind of going out of All order. Right. I'll throw it back to you now. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so now we've gotten through the news. What all have you guys been playing in the last oh. week? It's a little later. Try and wow. keep it short. We've been, we've been going for a little while already. All right. What we got Zach. Should what you been first? playing? Oh my god, alright, I've got a short rant real quick about Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. <laughs> this game uh, just keeps on showing up. This game is... <sighs> alright, I was talking to you guys briefly about this before the show, but as we have mentioned before, I think before, like, shortly after this game came out, we were talking about game-breaking glitches, well, not game-breaking, but platinum-breaking glitches where sometimes golden spatulas just don't spawn. And that happened to me. In my playthrough, I was about 70 spatulas deep right at the finish line. And I go back to find a spatula, and it is just not there. One of the easiest spatulas in the game in downtown Bikini Bottom. You get it for just rolling through the whole stage. You you have to go through it. It just wasn't there. I looked online. No one was talking about the thing being missing. I think this one is a specifically me glitch, so that's fun. Um... So I won't be platinuming the game because there is <laughs> no way I'm going back to play all of that again. Um, but I am definitely still planning on beating the game because you only need 75 to beat the game. So I am fairly close, mm-hmm. so I can still do that. Uh, but it is entirely a little random sad. on that because, again, my friend had uh, had a spatula in Sand Mountain not show up. Yep, I think like, the spatulas that just... don't spawn are entirely random. It's What it's sucks just... for you, too, is that... Uh, Unfortunately, you didn't realize this right away. Downtown Bikini Bottom is a really early area, and it sucks yeah. that only now did you figure this out. Yeah. 70 spatulas in yeah, at that area hours ago. Yeah, because it's the second spatula in the area, and I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I missed a spatula. Uh, it's still a question mark. I'll go back and get it later if I decide to platinum in this game. And then I was like, okay, I'm, yeah, I could probably platinum in this game. I'll go back and get some of the earlier spatulas. Okay, this one doesn't exist. And that was basically <laughs> how it went. And so that really sucked, but, you know, it's still a fun game, and I'm still going to beat it, but, you know, the Platinum will never happen. 
And One other very bizarre thing that I have figured out about the game is that there's a there's a there's a secret ending. It's nothing that crazy. They just sing the theme yep. song at the end. But, you know, it's it's a little extra bonus. But you have to do it by getting your final 100th spatula on the final boss. So if you went in and did the final boss with 75 spatulas like you can do and then want to go back after collecting all the spatulas and see the final ending, you cannot. You physically can't. Because the final boss is already beaten. You can go to the final boss area, but all of the things that you have to break are already broken, and the level is uncompletable. <laughs> oh, I don't game, understand it. There's the one I chance. Don't, I don't understand. Kevin, neither you or I will ever see this secret ending. I <laughs> have a chance. But yes. I won't, I won't <laughs> Logan is the only one who has a chance, and he's probably not going to do it. I'm never finding God, it. Patrick sucks. I'm not going to do it. No, it, I don't blame you. It frustrates me how broken the game yep. is. And wh- where are these where these patches are? I really haven't heard much of anything. When the game came out, they're like, yeah, we're working on some stuff. Something, da- there was a download today. Yeah, yeah, there was. There was, there was a, yeah, I don't know what it fixed, but it didn't fix my game. <laughs> I mean, there are, unfortunately, a bunch of problems with this game. So the odds of them fixing your <laughs> specific problem may be a little lower than you would hope. I might have to tweet at them just to see if they can do something about fixing my game. But unfortunately, that probably won't be the case. And then other than that, I am still stuck on Sonic Mania. The second to like the last ish level Titanic Monarch. I have gotten to the final boss a couple times died. It's just such a long process. These purple orbs that you spin around suck. I just it's it's really making me not want to beat it. <laughs> yeah, that last level awesome. sucks. It's absolutely brutal. Uh, I and the zone takes zone two or act two of that zone takes like eight and a half minutes to beat. Yeah, and then you just lose at the last boss. And you're like, oh. that is uh, that final boss is so long. He's because yeah. you have to break four legs, and then he's every time you break a leg, he sends you to like a mini boss fight. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. You gotta beat it though. You're so close. It's worth it. And oh my god! What's a Sonic game though? without some classic cheese at the end? Come on, that's push through. true. This is like the process, but I don't have you guys to get through it with me. Yeah, yeah. That that adds that adds an important element. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. And that's basically all I've been playing this week. I. So you guys know I've been obsessed with Mario Kart lately, and sure. I was like, I need some new tracks. The, really, I, I've never been into other racing games besides Mario Kart, so I'm like, man, if only Nintendo made another racing game that's, like, super fast, like, 200cc on Mario Kart, and really technical and intense and fun, and then I'm like, what they did, F-Zero exists, and dude, it kicks butt. I absolutely freaking love mm-hmm. F-Zero. You guys know me. I went down the rabbit hole of this franchise. Ask me anything. I'll probably have a decent idea of an answer. Um, but I actually started and finished F-Zero on SNES this week. And Kevin, what you and I talk about on this show, we have that SNES app on Switch Online and just never yeah. use it. Well, I was watching, I also have it. I was watching uh, an IndyCar race on TV and I was like, huh, I should, I should just boot up some F-Zero right now. And so while I had it on the TV, I played some F-Zero on the SNES Online app in handheld mode. I'm like, this is fun. And then I hooked up my SNES Classic and played the whole thing for like 10 hours. So it was my gateway into hooking it up on the hardware I actually played it on. (laughs) 
something about that thing, man. I just yeah. have I don't want to play a game for very long on it. I well, don't get it. My least real quick side note, my least favorite part about it is that the UI doesn't go away. It's like, oh, hit these to suspend it, hit this to do this, and it's like I want uh. a clear screen, and the SNES classic gives me that. But back to F Zero, it is super fast and really fun. There's four cars to choose from that have different weights and accelerations and handlings and top speeds. And apparently the best car is the one with the worst acceleration. So you can't hit a wall. If you hit a wall, your ah. race is basically over. But if, if you don't hit any walls, it's pretty easy to win. And so I watched like, um, there's three cups or three Grand Prix, each with five tracks. And basically I decided to beat the game. I had to beat all three Grand Prix on expert mode. And to do that, um, I actually really like this system. I think it's it's really cool. It's like arcade racers, basically. How um, instead of a timer, though, you have to get a certain position. So it's like there's like 20 race r cars in the race, and if after lap one you're not in 15th or higher, you're done. Lap two, if you're not 10th or higher, you're done. And then it's seventh or higher, mm -hmm. fifth or higher, and then on the last lap you have to finish on the podium in the top three to advance to the next race. And so it leads to some really intense moments that Mario Kart, you're guaranteed the next race. It's just, do you have the most points at the end? But in this, like, if you enter the last lap in fifth place, you're like, I gotta try some stuff. And you just, like, work your butt off to get up to third place, trying to cut corners. Uh, each lap you get a boost, which is essentially like a mushroom. Uh, each lap you earn one and it's like man if you stockpile all those for the last lap and then just go for broke to try and steamroll up to third place it's super exhilarating and then what's also really cool is there's basically a health system every time a car bumps into you or you bump into a car or you slam the wall your meter depletes and if it blows up or if you get to zero your car blows up and you lose the race and so that's another thing you have to manage in the last Grand Prix, I can't tell you how many times my car blew up on the last lap because I was just risking it all to try and get up to third place. But it's super fun. The game still looks great. It is a great-looking 16-bit game with the um, with the advanced graphics on the, on the SNES that it used. The soundtrack is awesome, and I'm, I think I'm going to get super into this franchise. I have F-Zero GX on GameCube, which is apparently the best one. I've played some of F-Zero AX, the arcade version of GX in the past, which was super fast, and I had no idea what the hell I was doing, but I think I now have a better idea. But All super right. into it. I think it's going to be a new franchise for me. Of course, I pick a franchise that's been dormant since 2004. Yeah, yeah good luck with that. I'm yeah. Nintendo's you guys ever played F-Zero? No, never did. Uh, nope. Just played as Captain Falcon in Smash. Yeah, it's it's like the exact level of intensity I want. Because I love Mario Kart, but I'm so good at the one on Switch that there's really never any challenge for me unless I play online and just get railed by some of these people with the items. But then I play like Sim Racers, and I'm like, I hate this. I hate that if I hit a wall, it's basically over for the rest of the race and I can't recover because my car is limping to the finish. So this is like the perfect mix of like cartoony racer like Mario Kart and realistic, intense, have to manage your speed and all these other things like these sim racers. So it's super awesome, and I'm excited to dive into GX at some point really soon. Yep. Nice. That that's, it? that's it for me, though. <laughs> Just F-Zero. All right. Uh, I played some Sushi Striker. <laughs> the way of Sushido. <laughs> Because I've had the game for a while. I was like, you know what? I'll give it a shot. 
and uh, it's a good time. It's uh, nice. it's it's one of the it's it's a puzzle game, so it's kind of just a, a chill out kind of zone out game, and just kind of get into your zen mode. And for what it is, it kind of surprised me with the amount of depth that it tries to push. It has a leveling system for both you and all of your different spirits that you have. All the spirits have their own powers that you can use during each of the matches. You can swap them out and have, you know, your set of three and you can have three different loadouts. Like there's there's items for like leveling and other stuff like there's a surprising amount of depth that's in this game for what it is. It's just a basic puzzle game. Uh, And there's. Not gorgeous by any means, but there's animated cutscenes which I was not expecting. Yeah, that was that was a nice little surprise. The voice acting is it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it it really bothers me how uh, some of the lines are half voiced. So they'll they'll read the first half of the line and like where a comma is, they just stop. Yeah, and it's like that wasn't even a whole sentence. <laughs> like, like, come on. It's just weird. It's like either either just have them do the little sounds or just have them record it all. It was definitely a, a very weird decision. My biggest problem with the game is that you can tell it's way more suited to to a touchscreen device. And I don't want to use my Switch as as a touchscreen. I don't want to get mm-hmm. the screen all grubby with my fingers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Because the way it's set up is how you, you have to like select all of the different sushi that's rolling on these conveyor belts and they're all moving. And so you have to be relatively deliberate with how you match them up as you're going up and around. And the stick is just not precise enough. Like, I can't tell you the amount of times that it, like, moved over one from the one that I wanted to click. And I just clicked a different one on accident that I feel wouldn't have happened if I was running on a touchscreen. So I can see the gameplay being a lot smoother if you pick up the 3DS version. Switch obviously will look a lot cleaner and nicer. uh, But it does kind of suck that you kind of have to take... Uh, some hits in terms of the gameplay to to get the nicer looking one on Switch. Yeah, For what actually, it is, I fine, actually got but... pretty good at using the stick because I didn't want to play it in touchscreen either back when I played it when it came out. Um, so I think if you keep playing, I think you'll get more proficient with the stick, but there's always occasionally like, shoot, I didn't mean to do that. Yeah, where you, you think you're at one spot and then you're like one over from yeah. the one you want to hit. And it hasn't been that big of an issue because in the early parts of the game, you know, you're not super penalized for that. But I'm sure that as you get into the later areas, something like that, mm-hmm. if you lose a match, that could be really frustrating mm-hmm. where you feel like it wasn't your fault. Um, but but the, the game that's there is is a good time. For 10 bucks that I picked it up for on that sale way back, uh, mm-hmm. totally worth it. So that was uh, Yeah, I think that Sushi Striker is actually one of the more underrated games on Switch. Like, this is a Nintendo-published game that just no one bought or played, and I actually think it's it's pretty dang good. It has a lot of content, yeah. too, and as you f- get further into the campaign, it keeps switching things up. Um, there's that one dude who always rolls in and is like, it's game time, and he just makes you do something completely wacky and off the wall, and that happens a few times. So it keeps it fresh, um, fresh sushi. Throughout the entire yeah. campaign, fresh. Yeah, so I was I was pleasantly surprised with that. So we'll see if I go back to it. Mainly because I've gotten completely recaptivated by Rune Factory Four. <laughs> Had this game for a while, was playing it a lot, and then I'm trying to remember if it was Stardew Valley that made me set it down. If Stardew Valley had another update, I'm not sure. I think I got re back into Stardew Valley. No, it was Animal Crossing. It was Animal Crossing. Yeah, that's what it was. Okay, because I also got really into Stardew Valley earlier this year too. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that took a little bit of the wind out of its sails, but I've gotten farther in Rune Factory 4 special than I ever did on the 3DS version. And here's one of my biggest problems with the game. It doesn't tell you how to progress the story when you reach a certain point. So I, I made the credits roll 
but you're you're not done. Apparently, there's three acts, and I finished one of the three acts. But basically, you have to exit the town from like the bottom area and go into the this field area to enact the next cutscene like a couple of days after you finish this like final boss fight of the first arc. But by that time, you're always using this teleporting system to go to all of these different places. So you have no need to go down to this area to enact the cutscene. So I never got that to happen in my original 3DS game. I just thought the game was done. (laughs) There's nothing that pushes you to keep on going. And it puts it in an area where by that point in the game, you never use that path unless you use it on accident. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> so that was weird. Uh, but now that I've progressed more, I've gotten to all these different areas and it's been fun to experience new things that I didn't see seven years ago when the game first came out. Um, and it's part of the reason why I don't think I could really get fully into uh, into Friends of Mineral Town, the remake that just dropped for Story of Seasons. I feel like in a world with Stardew Valley with uh, Rune Factory 4 Special and Rune Factory 5 coming out, I need that other gameplay hook, like the dungeon crawling and combat. And I don't think that original Harvest Moon can really do it for me anymore. Even if I went back and played the games that I really do have that nostalgia for, like Tree of Tranquility on the Wii, I don't think I could do it. I don't think there's just enough, I don't think there's enough for me in those old games. So yeah, Rune Factory 4 is a good time. There's there's so much in that game. (laughs) Like, only being on arc two of these three arcs, like man, there's there's a lot of content in there. So awesome. I'll probably be playing it for a while. It was fun to go back into it. Um, but that's all I've been playing. So now we'll get to the O2 segment, as in its same spot as always, in honor of Paper Mario, the Origami <laughs> King, launching wow. in as honor this or in dishonor. <laughs> oh, in honor, of course, in honor of it coming out. We're gonna t- we're gonna be talking about series that have let us down. <laughs> just like good old Paper Mario. So who wants to start? Well, why don't you what start with Paper Mario, Kevin? Let's do it. All right. This is me, Paper Mario. Uh, it has let me down. Those first two games are absolutely incredible. Uh, Paper Mario on N64 and The Thousand Year Door. Being able to finally finish uh, The Thousand Year Door last year and play through the original Paper Mario for the first time was super fun. They're not the the deepest RPGs out there. You can definitely get way more like crazy in-depth experiences, but for what they were as RPGs with a solid story, a great cast of characters, they were super fun to play through. I never played Super Paper Mario on the Wii, but Sticker Star is one of the few games that truly angers me. That game has no soul. The combat is awful. Everything is boring. I absolutely hate it. And... It's also one of the few games where I picked it up as a kid with finite amounts of money and then played it for like an hour. And I'm just like, no, I can't do this. This game, this game angers me. Uh, And it just frustrates me now to like like we were talking with the interviews earlier where they're saying that they're listening to feedback, but it just doesn't seem like they're listening to the most important feedback of what people want. Oh, they're listening. They're just not doing anything about it. It's frustrating. It's because because a lot with with Color Splash and with Origami King, there's a lot of things that I want to experience. But if the core gameplay isn't good, then a lot of it's probably going to be a slog. Yeah. So, yeah, it sucks just because of the heights that those first two games reached and that it is just fallen off a cliff in the last couple. And they don't seem to be willing to go back. It definitely frustrates me. Mm hmm. 
All right, I'll go next, if that's okay with you guys. It is. The first series I want to talk about is a series that was very close to my heart, and is a, it still is, in a sense, and that's Kingdom Hearts. Um, I know you both have had your experiences with the Kingdom Hearts franchise, but as a kid, I did start very young with Kingdom Hearts 1. Um, and, I, you know, as a kid, I, I was never super good. I never beat it until later, but... Um, in terms of story and combat and all that stuff, you know, for a kid, it's actually not that bad because even for a JRPG, the combat is fairly simple and it's fairly straightforward. So you could, as you know, going into that franchise at a young age, you could get a decent way through it and have a good time and still experience that. And even going into Kingdom Hearts 2, when that came out at a slightly older age, that game was improved on pretty much every aspect of Kingdom Hearts 1. It had a better story. Um, it was generally longer, had a lot more and varied cast of characters. You got to play as other characters other than Sora, who you only played as in the first game. And it just it capitalized on that popularity and took it and expanded on it. And Kingdom Hearts 2, being the best game in the franchise, meant that after that, I think Square Enix saw that popularity and they started abusing it because <laughs> it was at that point that the series branched off into every console known to man, and then the collections started happening. There was 1.5 HD, 2.5 HD, 1.5 plus 2.5, 2.8, all in one. Story all so that far, stuff. yeah. Story so far. And the complete collection or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah story so far collection. all in one, yeah. All in one, So yeah. when the game started branching out into all these things. Consoles that at the time I was like, I don't own a PSP. I'll never play Birth by Sleep. That's very disappointing. Oh, I do have a DS, but 358 Days Over 2 isn't that great of a game. I could also get recoded, but is the, does that game even matter? I don't know. And then they started taking all these you know, crappy games that didn't really matter and threw them into collections and made us wait uh, for 13 years for Kingdom Hearts 3. Was that what it was? Ten, years, ten years, ten years between two and three. I think two thousand five was two. Oh my god! So was it ten years yeah. from its announcement? Because people are always like, "I've been waiting ten years for this game." Some probably. Yeah. But um, and then three came out, and you know, the combat improved as it tends to do. The combat in the series steadily improved as it should have done, but the story just kept getting more and more convoluted, harder to understand, and just, there was just never any payoff. I never felt satisfied the entire length of the game in terms of story. There was just nothing that did it for me. I I was always waiting for that. There was There was no big reveals. There was no satisfaction there was just more open-ended questions to lead more into probably further games into the series on who knows what console it's a frustrating pattern that i think we've seen with a couple of games lately where it's like yeah man these games that take eons to come out to finally satisfy these unanswered questions <laughs> just set up more <laughs> games and it's like why are you yep. doing that shenmue 3 did the exact same thing oh, from what we've God, heard it's just it really frustrating it is so ridiculous. But I have, I have a question for you, Zach, actually. This absolutely. Is, this is a take I've heard around the internet, is yeah. that Disney was really strict with what you could do with their properties in Kingdom Hearts 3, which is why the story never tied into the Kingdom Hearts story. That's like the main complaint I've heard. You do the Disney story, you do the Kingdom Hearts story, and the two are completely separate. 
and it sucks. Yeah. So do you think that they're setting it up so Kingdom Hearts can move away from Disney at all and kind of do its own thing in future entries? You know, I, I've talked about this with friends of mine who are fans of the series, and they're... One of, one of my best friends is a huge fan of the series, and he hates the Disney stuff. He just loves Kingdom Hearts for all the Kingdom Hearts characters, and that's it. He doesn't want Disney to be a part of it at all, and I it's think so that weird. that is... That is never going to happen. That is the main draw of Kingdom Hearts. People, the majority of the fan base, play it for the Disney, I feel. And I think if they try and separate that out and move away from Disney, that I just don't think it's going to work because it's, then at some point it just becomes like Final Fantasy and I don't know how long the series can last off of those merits. Um, but if they ever do decide to go in that direction in the future because they have set up many more games and a rhythm game is coming out. I forgot to mention that hey, disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you never know. Um, but we'll see. Hope maybe this game can pull itself out of whatever rut it is in, in terms of satisfying and the rhythm game is going to provide the, the payoff. Just, to do it. Oh yeah, my that's God. Where all the yeah. good story. Questions really looking forward to the satisfying story beats that should have been in Kingdom Hearts three. In the new <laughs> that rhythm, are the rhythm game. game. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really weird to me if they cut out Disney. I feel like it's so ingrained in what Kingdom Hearts is. And because there's so many games to build that whole thing up. Yeah, it's just really it wouldn't make a lot of sense. Abandon them now. And I feel like uh, it's it's such a big draw of the gameplay too that you're the majority of the worlds that you're going to are Disney. Like it yeah. I don't know if it'd feel the same without it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think the characters are strong enough to stand on their own without Disney at this point. And Goofy! We need Goofy. Goofy in there. Yeah, and if without I Donald, Goofy, Goofy and, and Mickey, Donald just die in yeah, combat they're, all the time. Yeah, those are mainstays in the series. To not have them in there would be a weird choice. But yeah. that's all I have to say about Kingdom Hearts. My Love pick much. has a chance at redemption based on some rumors <laughs> from the last couple all, of weeks. All right, all of these series have a chance. Super Monkey Ball. Man, those first two games, you know. I didn't know if it was just like, for a long time, I didn't know if it was childhood nostalgia or something like that. When I nope. got Banana Blitz, it was years after I'd been super into Super Monkey Ball 2 as a kid. And I got Banana Blitz, I'm like, I never liked it. I hated it immediately. Just the art style sucks. I hate how just disgustingly bright it is and how the characters Jumping. look disgusts me. The boss fights are some of the worst designed boss fights in any game I have ever played in my entire life. The mini games go from 10 really tight, really fun mini games to 50 cheap, shallow wastes of time. It is ju they introduce these other playable characters that are not nearly as memorable as the core four from the first two games. It just sucks. And then the franchise continued to decline. Step and Roll is arguably worse than Banana Blitz. <laughs> There's some mobile games that, that suck. Super Monkey Ball 3D was okay, but it was still pretty terrible. The Vita one, I've played the demo, and it's just like all the others. It is just in this rut, and it's terrible. And it's after the original creator left to make Yakuza. So, Woo. Uh, But maybe he's coming back. And then you remaster a game after this franchise is dormant, and you pick... <laughs> The one that started the decline, and it's like, why are you doing this? Well, arguably, Adventure started the decline. That's kind of a spinoff, um, so I don't really count that. But the first two games are just so, so good. I mean, Zach and I played probably like 40 hours of Monkey Ball together, like, a couple of years back now. Yeah. It was just amazing. I finally Incredible. beat the Master Modes in Super Monkey Ball 2. That game, that's one of the best games ever. 
And I just hope, I hope more than anything, that they can bring this franchise back to where it deserves to be. And if not, that Rolled Out, which was supposed to launch seven months ago, if Rolled Out can actually be good and, and bring kind of what's missing in this genre back. Because there's other Marvel games, they just don't have the character and the design that Monkey Ball does. So, Monkey Ball broke my heart. Banana Blitz last year was, like, fine. That's junk food also. Banana Blitz is a total junk food game. Sonic's there, but... But yeah, that that franchise that franchise broke my heart, uh, and I'm hoping that it can it can heal the wounds. But that's my pick. That's my easy pick. Hey man, there's there's hope. There's oh, yeah. hope. Like yeah. rumors swirling of a, of a new Monkey Ball in the works. <sighs> I hope man. so. The the rumors about bring... Paper Mario were that it was going to be a return to the originals also. <laughs> so right. So yeah. we'll you'd see. hope that with the original creator uh, back in the uh, back in the fold, hopefully that yeah. it would. It would improve Monkey Ball, you know. Who knows? And There's the original announcer, who's leaking the whole game. <laughs> That's going to be the reason why it's coming back. Oh yeah, stronger than ever. Oh yeah. man. All right, I think that's going to about do it for us. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Yeah, F Zero GX is made by the same team that made Monkey Ball One and Two, so that's hype. They made some good games. <laughs> yeah, and then they didn't. No, it wasn't them anymore. They were they were oh, they, they were died. dissolved. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> They went out on top. <laughs> they did. Just nothing but bangers from them. <laughs> and then they uh, died for some reason. Zach, what you got? I'm going to tweet at THQ Nordic to get a refund <laughs> for my SpongeBob copy. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. He's missing spatulas. Help a brother out. It matters. Sure got a lot of spatulas to try and patch in. Yep. Man, good stuff. All right, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of Ode to Games. Again, we're trying out a bunch of different things over the next couple of months, and hopefully some really, really big projects are going to be coming to fruition in the next couple of months as well. So look forward to that. The show will be in flux, a little bit different as we're uh, as we're working through these, trying to find out what works best. But hopefully you enjoy the changes that we're going to be making throughout the next couple of months. We are here on Fridays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, our website, odagames.com, other podcast streaming services that you may use. We're on Twitter. You can tweet, tweet to us at games. You can send an email to odagamescast at gmail.com. For Logan and Zach, I'm Kevin. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week.